0: Amen. Open your Bibles, would you, to Hebrews chapter 1, as we've just started, if you're new to Calvary, we've just started a verse-by-verse study through the book of Hebrews, and we are in verse 4, as slowly we're launching in to lay the right foundation of the superiority of Jesus Christ. Hebrews was written to a group of Jewish Christians that are tempted to go backwards. Even as many times you're tempted to go backwards. For them, they were tempted to leave the simplicity of the gospel and go back to Judaism, the formalism of rituals, the formalism of religion that, that was, really didn't make sense to go backwards because they have the full substance in Christ. All of Judaism was pointing toward God, not in religion, but in relationship. In the soon coming of Messiah, Messiah came. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and lived and died and rose again. And so many of the early believers were Jewish converts, and they're at a crossroads. So what does Paul do? I believe the author, he took his quill in hand, and he began to write, and he began to share the truths inspired by the Holy Spirit of the superiority of Jesus and how he is an anchor to our souls. And we come today to the study of angels. There's actually a technical word for that. It's called angeology. Why? Because the first chapter, most of the first chapter is spent proving from the Bible, quoting the Old Testament multiple times of how Jesus is more superior than angels. And we're in verse 4 of Hebrews chapter 1, where speaking of Jesus having become so much better than the angels, that he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. And the focus of our remaining studies, there'll be a few in chapter 1, will be on the topic of angels. But today I want to ask and answer the question, Who? are angels. And we want to turn to God's Word so that we might find that answer. Now, a study like this could go on for weeks. But for us, we're going to spend about 40 minutes looking and asking and answering that question, what does the Bible have to say about angels? Because A few years ago, you know, angels were all the rage. The 90s seemed to be like the decade of the angels. There were movies, there were pens, there were paintings, there were books, there were t-shirts. Even there was a very, very popular TV show entitled Touched by an Angel. Did you guys ever watch that? How many of you watched Touched by an Angel? I mean, it was popular. It was the thing, angels. And there would be people, you know, wearing... T-shirts with a big puffy-looking angel, you know, on a cloud with a harp, and you're like, come on now, is that what you seriously believe about angels? Now, not so much these days. If, you're, if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know, the longer you're a Christian, the more you learn that unfortunately things come and go. And, and sometimes it's fortunate that they go, but there's these winds of doctrines. And so angels aren't really all the thing these days, although angels are fascinating creatures. And the Bible has a lot to say about them. And the thing that we learn in Hebrews is that angels are not anywhere near Jesus Christ. They are created beings. They are God's messengers. As a matter of fact, if you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word angels in verse 4 and write next to it angelos. A-N-G-E-L-O-S. That's the Greek word. And of course, the word that's being used here is angelan, which is the, the plural of anhelos. but it literally means messenger or an envoy or someone sent with a message. 179 times in the King James Bible, this word is used to describe angels. Angels. They're, angels do actually exist. They are magnificent, glorious creatures created by God. Most often they are unseen and live and serve in another dimension, the spiritual, unseen, invisible dimension around us. But when they are seen, it's a pretty amazing thing. So we turn our attention now to the Word of God to learn a few things about angels. And if you're taking notes, we'll jot some down. Now, those of you that have been with us for the studies in Hebrews, you have noticed the difference, haven't you, from our studies in John? Because John is a different type of a book in the Bible. It is called a narrative. The book of John is a narrative, which really takes you through the life of someone, the Jesus Christ in this case, and gives you a narrative following his life. That type of book is much easier to teach than something like Hebrews. Hebrews falls under the category of a letter, or in a more technical term, a didactic letter, which simply means a teaching letter and it's filled with doctrine. It's more along the lines of Colossians or Ephesians or Galatians, so that the teaching style is a little bit different. Uh, You go back to the time that we spent three years studying the book of Romans. That's another didactic book of the Bible. So you'll notice that we're gonna slow down and on some occasions we need to stop and really do an in-depth Bible study with lists and various verses, in order to get the weight of a topic like we will with angels today. So here's a few things. Number one, angels are created beings. Psalm 104, verse four. The Bible says that God makes his angels spirits. They are created. They are not the creator. So Jesus becomes better than the angels in the greatest category there is. That he's the creator, he created angels, and creation, is always less than the creator. So they're created beings. Not only that, they also have a role that has some type of superiority to man. Notice Hebrews chapter two, verse six. It says, one testified in a certain place saying, what is man that you're mindful of him or the son of man that you take care of him? You've made him a little lower than the angels. And so somehow in the creative order, man is made a little lower than the angels. Secondly, we learn in the Bible that there are many angels. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, speaking of an innumerable company of angels. Thirdly, we learn angels are very smart, or highly intelligent. It says in Psalm 103, verse 20, "'Bless the Lord you as angels who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word.'" What makes them so smart? They do his word they heed the word of god. Number 4, angels are extremely powerful. 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 11 says that angels that are greater in power and might. Fifthly, angels watch you. Angels observe man. They watch you. In Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10, It speaks of the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers. The angels watch the church and they learn more about God's infinite love for you and me. And they're interested in us and they watch us. They look at our lives. Number six, we learn in the Bible that some angels, a third of them, rebelled against God following the lead of Satan, of Lucifer, following along, and a third of the angels fell. They are now known as demons. Still angels, but this makes up the demonic realm. And we learn at the end of Revelation, in Revelation 20, that they're all thrown into the lake of fire forever to be tormented, separated from God. Two-thirds of the angels are still loyal to God. One-third followed the devil. Angels live in God's presence day and night, and it's because of their high and exalted place in creation that many have looked to and even worshipped angels and not God. But it's not and never has been God's will for angels to receive receive exalted attention, let alone be worshipped. We are not to worship angels. Neither are we to allow angels to give us new doctrine. Did you know the Bible says that we're to reject any other gospel than the true gospel, even if an angel delivers it to you? And you say, come on, Ed, why would an angel deliver a false doctrine? Well, did you know that one of the fastest-growing false religions and cults today was started by a man by the name of Joseph Smith who reported an angelic visitation who gave to him the foundational book on which this false religion has been created. It's called the Book of Mormon. And Mormonism was started by a false doctrine given to a man through a demon. The demon even has a name. They named him Moroni. Now, lest you coming from uh, Mormonism get upset with me, I would challenge you not to be mad at me but rather study for yourself. I know it can be hard to receive the truth when the truth hits so close to home. But I also know deep down in your heart, you wanna know the truth. Deep down in your heart, there is a spirituality about you, a dedication, a commitment. But in that dedication and commitment, my heart as knows well as yours is you want to follow the truth. So rather than get mad at me, just study for yourself. There's a great resource that's available, both to those of you that listening in, and of course, probably not in this room, but perhaps there is, but more along the lines of those listening on the radio or online, there's a great resource that will help you understand the Bible as it relates to the false teachings of Mormonism, and that is reasoning from the Scriptures with Mormons by Ron Rhodes. One of the best resources. But see how the demonic realm can even influence humanity with false teachings. And we must be careful of that and reject any false teaching, no matter who delivers it. Angels have their place, but always and forever below Jesus Christ, as we see in Hebrews chapter 1. Now, the Bible also teaches us that there are various ranks and categories of angels. If you jot it down, number one, we meet Michael, he's an archangel. He is the prime administrator of God. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of an archangel, with the trump of God. Michael is the archangel, the prime administrator of God. Another angel is mentioned in the Bible by name. His name is Gabriel. Now, Gabriel is not called an archangel. He might be in that category, but the Bible never calls him that. But we do know that he's a special messenger of mercy. We see him being used by God to answer a prayer in Daniel's life that we'll look look at a little bit more later. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21, it says, Daniel speaking, yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, who I'd seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening sacrifice, an angel used in the answering of prayer. There's a third category of angels we learn in the Bible. They're called the seraphim. S E R A P H I M. These are angels who praise God. We find that in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, speaking of the seraphim and in their majestic and it says that they are have six wings, covered their face with two, covered their feet with two, and with two they flew, and one of the seraphim would always cry to another saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. There's another category, number four of angels. This is known as the cherubim. And this is where the common view of angels come in our world today because they always speak of what? Cherubs. But the Bible actually speaks of a category of angels known as the cherubim. I am in the Hebrew is plural. Cherubim, seraphim. Cherubim are... They're simply angels that we see proclaiming God all over the Bible. And there are also these powerful angels that remember in Genesis chapter 3 were set at the Garden of Eden with swords to never allow anyone back in after the fall and after sin. And so there's cherubim. Another category, number five, are just angels that are are described as worshiping God, Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6. Then number six, another category. This is a great category because we get to cooperate with this category of angels a lot in our fellowship, and that is according to Luke chapter 15, verse 10, there's a category of angels that rejoice when someone repents of their sins. Listen to what he says, Jesus speaking. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. And so we get to participate with that. When someone gives their life to the Lord or comes back after a backslidden experience, we rejoice with the angels In heaven. And the Bible says, number seven, that there's a category of angels that many angels will return with Jesus Christ at his second coming. Matthew chapter 24, verse 31. There's just something going on in the invisible unseen world where angels exist. It's fascinating. You know, here's the problem. I wonder if it's because of our Western rationalism that we don't pay attention to the spiritual realm so much. We are, whether you realize it or not, we are so stuck in the material world. We are so stuck with Food with clothing, the very things that Jesus told us not to be worried about, what is it that we're always worried about? What is it that we're always thinking about? Money, food, clothes, family. All of these things, Jesus said, the Gentiles seek after, but instead seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. I don't know about you, but I find myself stuck in the material. I find myself stuck in what I see and what I think I understand, which then limits, my, limits me to my own resources and my own abilities and perhaps miss what God's doing in the spiritual realm. He's doing a lot in the spiritual realm. And I believe angels are more involved in our lives than we give them credit for. One of the great revelations of God will be just how much the angels were actually involved in our lives. Because there is an unseen world. Like, Like, for example, in this room right now, there is reggae music blasting in this room right now. Listen. Can't you hear it? And unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about this, okay? But unfortunately, there is country music playing in this room right now. Songs about dogs running away and beer being spilled and all of that. It's all in this room right now. There's pop music playing in this room right now. There is talk radio going on in this room right now. The unseen wavelengths of radio have permeated this building. They're there right now. All that we need is the right tuner to tune in to hear the unseen. Same with television signals. All we need is the right tuner to see what we can't see with the naked eye so it is true with the things of God. I mean, if God was to open our eyes right now, I believe there is a spiritual battle going on in this room as I speak. There is a battle between the demonic realm and the spiritual realm. Perhaps there might even be an angel hovering over you that that you've had in your life since you were a child. If we would just open our eyes... To see the unseen, well, let me show you what I mean. Lest you, think, um, lest you think this isn't real, turn over to 2 Kings. Let me show you the beauty of the unseen world. That we might long to see what can't be seen with the naked eye. That we would long to participate in the spiritual, not just the physical. That we wouldn't be so quick to explain things away. That we wouldn't be, we wouldn't be so quick to just say, well, you know, that's what normally happens. And the Lord just really impressed upon my heart. To exhort us as a church today with this verse, not in 2nd Kings, you keep turning there, but in this verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's the spiritual. Lean not on your own understanding. That's the physical. Acknowledge him in all your ways. That's the, say with me, that's the spiritual. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your paths. Them in all your way is probably physical. And then the spiritual is directing. So you get it. Just take it home, figure it out. You're just like, man, I think Ed messed up. Okay, just figure it out, sort it all out. God will take care of it in your life. But here's the exhortation. You're spending too much time in the physical realm, and you're losing out on what God wants to do in the spiritual realm through your life. You're just so caught. You might be caught at the bottle. It's all physical. It's not helping you spiritually. You might be caught at the joint. Man, it's all physical. You might be caught in the anger and the bitterness. It's all physical and completely removes you from what God wants to do in the spiritual. For for example, why would you gather together? You you think of the, the rationality of getting up in the morning, hustling out of the house, gathering to a particular location to sing to, to talk to somebody and then to listen to someone talk. For, why would you do that? Why? Because God in the spiritual realm uses that in your life. He wants to, why would, I, why would I have the calling of pastor teacher? Well, I know that the Bible answers. My responsibility as a pastor teacher is to equip you, the saints, for the work of the ministry. You and I, we come in to go out. We don't live here. We, we come in to be built up To be spoken to spiritually so that even why would we study the topic of angels? Well, because the people you work with are into angels. They're into the spiritual realm. Uh, You know, they're not into God, capital G. But they realize, the Bible says that God has put eternity into the hearts of his creation. They realize there's something more than themselves. They realize that creation speaks of someone else. They realize that their life is empty. They'll never, you know, most of the time they don't admit it. Most of the time, I know all throughout my life, I would never, ever admit to my friends just how empty I was, how disconnected from reality I was. And and you know, there were a few things in my life that you could see, man, that guy, he's messed up. But I was far more messed up than you could see. And God is wanting to bridge the gap with the physical to the spiritual through you. It's not my responsibility. It's our responsibility, so that when the next time somebody comes to work with that big cherub angel looking thing on the shirt, look at my brand new shirt, look what I got for Christmas. It's a, you know, an angel with a harp on a cloud, and you know, I'm really into angels. You'll be able to say, do you know that the Bible teaches about angels? Do you know there's a lot to learn? And you never know what kind of bridge God will bring from you to them When you have the truth of God's word. Because, you know, opinions don't change people's minds. And they don't change people's lives. So you can have an opinion, well, I don't think angels... Well, who cares what you think? What does the Bible say? Because Bible changes lives. The word of God is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. And it's the gospel, the good news, that your sins can be forgiven, that when you bring that into someone's life, it actually has the power in and of itself to save someone. If you can just get to the place of bringing someone from where they are in the physical to the cross, the spiritual. So check this out, what's going on in the inside on the invisible world. 2 Kings chapter 6. 2 Kings chapter 6. We have an incident where Elisha's with his servant and an army is sent to surround them and destroy them. Notice, it says, Therefore, verse 14, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army. So when the servant gets up in the morning and he looks out on everything around him, what does he see? Say it, church. An army. He he only sees the physical, which is just like... You and me, like like today, like today. I'm sitting there waiting uh, for Katie to get ready so we can go to church, and I hear this crazy sound, and I say, "Hey Katie, is that you?" Because they're still sleeping in the house. And Katie, she doesn't answer, and then, and I'm like, "Katie, is it going on?" And she comes out, "No, it's not me." And then Marie goes, "No, it's not me." You know who it is? That stinking woodpecker came back. That's the physical. Now I wonder what God's gonna reveal in the spiritual, little demons, what it is, (laughs) sitting up on that tailpipe of our house, banging its head, for what reason, what's the purpose? Like Katie asked, doesn't the bird know it's metal? Obviously not. (laughs) And by the way, if anybody can help me, why? Why does my house have so many problems with birds? What's the deal? Like we're not the only house in the neighborhood, but at any rate, so that's the physical. That's the physical. So he wakes up, and what does he see? An army. Oh, we're done. We're toast. It's over. And he goes, he says in verse 15, and his servant said to him, alas, my master, what shall we do? Man, you got to love Elisha. May we all be that. He says in verse 16, do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. just like Marie this morning. Hey, Marie, the woodpeckers are, Marie says, do not fear. She didn't do that. And notice verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, Lord, notice, open his eyes that he may see. Well, didn't he already see the army? Isn't his eyes, aren't his eyes already open? Yeah, physically. And what's Elisha's prayer? Give him spiritual eyes. Let him see the unseen. And notice, the, the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around. God has you covered. Just pray that your eyes will be opened. It's so much more than just the physical in your life and mine. And part of the spiritual is this angelic realm. Why would the, why would the author to the Hebrews, why would Paul spend so much time in chapter one? Well, spot, speaking and teaching about the superiority of Jesus over the angels. Well, I think I found something. You don't need to turn there. But in Deuteronomy chapter 33, As Moses is speaking, he describes how angels were used in the giving of the law. They were somehow involved. And so the Jewish believers of the first century, coming out of Judaism, highly respected Moses, highly respected the law, and because angels were used, I believe they also highly respected angels and put them in a category they didn't belong. And so they are being corrected. And being taught, which is what happens every time we come to Bible study, we're being corrected and taught and built up and we're learning the truth about God. And because they esteem the law and they esteem the delivery of the law by angels, Paul says, no, Jesus is greater than all, including the angels. Now, a few more things before we leave. These mysterious creatures play an active role in our lives. And then the life of the believer Angels are nearer than when what we think. They're all around us, taking care of us, sent to minister to us. For example, jot it down, angels protect. Psalm 34 verse 7. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Secondly, angels guide. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13, Joseph married to Mary, the mother of Jesus, was given direction from an angel in Matthew chapter 2 and told an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, take the young child to Egypt. Thirdly, this is a real cool one to think about, angels escort believers into heaven. We learn that in Luke chapter 16, verse 22, where the rich man, or excuse me, the beggar when he died was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. Angels are also used by God to encourage at times. Paul had that in Acts chapter 27, on that ship, ready to wreck. An angel, it says, there stood by me this night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve, saying, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar and indeed God has granted you all those that sail with you, and God used an angel to bring encouragement. Turn over to Psalm 91 with me, would you? Psalm 91, when you get there, go to verse 10. Psalm 91, verse 10. Just such a glorious truth of God's ministering angels And how he chooses to use them sovereignly in our life. Now, no angel's going to bring another gospel. No angel's going to be more supreme than Jesus. But they're God's servants. And he sends, just like he would send a human being into your life to encourage you, God can also send an angel into your life to encourage you. And notice this in Psalm 91, verse 10. Really, let's go to verse 9. Because you've made the Lord who is my refuge, even the Most High, your habitation, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And they'll bear you up in his hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You'll tread upon the lion and the cobra, and the young lion and the serpent you shall trample under The world of angels is so vast, so intelligent, so powerful, so invisible, so faithful to God, and it gives us hope in troubled times to know that even angels are all around us, watching over us, guiding us, protecting us, maybe even on occasion speaking to us. Have you ever considered the possibility that in your life you've entertained an angel and didn't know it? And you say, come on, Ed, what are you talking about? Well, let me read to you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2. The Bible tells us, and we'll get to this when we wind up our study in the book of Hebrews, but listen, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 2, Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. Be nice to strangers, because you just never know who they are. I'm sure there's testimony or two among us that had an interaction with someone that was such a great blessing. They came into your life and came out just as fast. And you're like, what was that all about? Could have been an angel that God dispatched into your life for that time and that place. You know, the Bible is filled with true stories of angelic intervention. Remember the time when Peter was put into prison? It was a very serious time. You can jot it down in Acts chapter 12. A very serious time because just before Peter was put into prison, they threw James into prison and they beheaded him. And so they're thinking, hey, James, what happened to James is going to happen to Peter. So what does the church do in Acts chapter 12? They pray. Actually, the Bible describes it as constant prayer being offered for Peter. Can you imagine that prayer meaning, Oh, Lord, deliver him. Oh, Lord, get him out. We need Peter. He's a strong leader. What will the church do without him? And they're just praying, and they're just praying, and they're praying. And then the answer came. Now, I mentioned this in earlier services. If you happen to be listening to this Bible study in prison Probably this angel doesn't exist anymore to come because God sent an angel to break Peter out. He did. That's exactly what happened. Acts chapter 12, verse 7. Behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him. And a light shone in the prison. And he struck Peter on the side, raised him up, said, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hand. Then the angel said to him, Gird yourself, tie on your sandals. And so he did. And he said to him, Put on your garment and follow me. And so he went out and followed him and did not know what was done by the angel was real, but he thought he was seeing a vision. Hey, the Lord answered that prayer by sending an angel to prison, breaking him out, taking off the chains, opening the door, leading him out. Now that is an answer to prayer. The church is praying, God got him out. And yet, when we think of angels, we don't think of God using them that way, but he does. He does, and Peter, You know, some of you might have looked at that story before and go, oh, I don't think it's true. I don't think it's true. But I think when you get to heaven, the angel's going to be right there at the pearly gates to slap you on the side of the head like he did Peter. He goes, are you kidding me? Here I am. Yeah, oh my gosh, it's true. It's true. It's true. How about Daniel? Two times in Daniel's life, angels are used in relation to prayer. The first one is Daniel chapter 9. In Daniel chapter 9, The Bible says that the answer to his prayer came through an angel before he even finished praying. Daniel chapter 9. And what was the answer? But the revelation of the end times and how God's heart for Israel is eternal, that He he's not given up on Israel, that he's not turned his back on Israel. No matter what man-made religions come up to say that the church replaced Israel, that has not happened. Read Daniel chapter 9. There is still yet a final week, seven weeks or seven years a period where God is going to deal with the nation of Israel in a wonderful way even as he's bringing them back to the land today. That's a different Bible study for a different time. But then in chapter 10, well, go ahead and go to Daniel real quick. Daniel chapter 10. Let's turn to Daniel 10 because in 9, he gets the answer from an angel even before he finishes praying. But in Daniel chapter 10, we find out that there was a spiritual battle in the unseen realm in relation to his prayer. And so in Daniel 10, notice. It says, the answer in verse 12, Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. So immediately God hears our prayers, just like with Daniel, and I have come because of your words. But, verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief priests, princes, came to me, for I had been left alone there from the kings of Persia. Now I've come to make you understand what will happen to your people. There was a 21-day fight in heaven for that answer to get to Daniel. The, the, the prayer was heard, and the answer was sent, but there was a battle in the spiritual realm. And I wonder, in some of us that are waiting on the Lord, Maybe 21 days, maybe 21 months, perhaps even 21 years. What's happening in the spiritual realm as it relates to the answer getting to us in the perfect timing of God. But there was a fight going on. Sometimes you get an answer right away. Sometimes you get an answer before you finish. Sometimes you gotta wait. And how Daniel was waiting and praying until that answer came. We just don't know how many times in our lives that angels have intervened and gotten us out of tight situations, watched our back, delivered us, protected us from harm. It it made me think, you know, I don't have a lot of memories as a kid, uh, as rotten as I was, but there's always this one memory that comes back to me time and time again, especially when I think of angels. Uh, I was probably seven or eight years old, and my mom had given me money to get a haircut and a couple extra dollars to give a tip. And the the barber was right down the street of our long block. So I was given instructions, go down, get a haircut, give a tip, come home. That was my instructions. But across the street was a liquor store and a gas station with the newest pinball machine in it. And so I heard the instructions, go get a haircut. And if she finishes early, keep the tip and go play pinball. Which is what I did. She did finish early. I converted that two bucks into quarters and I played the new pinball machine. And in my mind, I'm playing the whole game. I'm thinking, okay, I'm playing, but my mom's timing me. She knows how long it takes to walk. She knows so I'm doing. I'm all caught up, my head's all over, just like I am today. My head's always all over the place. So I'm playing, playing. I finally finish. I see the time, I I run home. So I cross the street, I start running home man, I forgot my sweater, my sweater. If I don't go home with my sweater, my mom's gonna grill me, I'm gonna get busted. I'm gonna. So I flip around right away without a thought and I run back across the street. Well, not paying attention to anything, there's a big truck there. And as I'm running past the big truck, there is a car coming behind that truck at full speed. And I'm, the timing of it all, full speed, slammed on their brakes, was probably about an inch from running me over. I tapped the hood, ran in, got my sweater and took off. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder if the guy driving that car today somewhere on the earth is giving the testimony. You won't believe it. You won't believe it. I was just driving down, right down the street. There was a truck there, and then this little punk kid came out of nowhere, and then I didn't even put my foot on the brake. The brake just stopped. He tapped my car. I was going to get out and get him, but I was so nervous, and I don't know, maybe it was an angel. Maybe it was, but I'm alive today to tell it. How many times Can you look at your life and you just can't explain how it all went down? And we know it's God. God gets all the glory. But could it be that he sent an angel, dispatched an angel to do his job for him? And you were protected or guarded or whatever it might be. I mean, it's fascinating to think. Which leads us to the final question of the day. And that's this. It's a very popular one. The question is this. Do you believe in guardian angels? Or does the Bible teach that we have guardian angels? Or or does every Christian have a personal guardian angel? That's a great question. First of all, I have to answer that question with a simple answer, and that's this. The Bible doesn't say for sure. What I mean by that is you're not going to be able to open the Bible and go to any verse And then there's a verse you could quote, every believer has a guardian angel. There's not a verse that exists. So with many questions like that, the Bible answer is the Bible doesn't say for sure. When many questions like that, what we need to do is open and broaden the scriptures and say, what does the Bible point toward? What is the evidence? And there's a couple of scriptures I wanna share with you because I lean toward the answer, yes. I lean toward the answer, yes. Not only do guardian angels exist, but everyone has one. Every believer has one. And here's some of the evidence that I found. The first is something Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 10. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus is warning about the, the little ones, the kiddos, your kids and mine. And he says, Take heed, 1810, that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that in heaven, their angels always see the fa- face of my Father who in heaven. So little ones, their angels are before the Lord in heaven. I thought like, that's interesting. And then when it comes to Acts chapter 12, that same Peter in prison getting broken out by an angel, sometimes we miss it because that's a text of the Bible that pastors like me love to pause on and get a laugh from. Because it's pretty comical what's happening in the early church. It's a lesson that we learn that you don't have to have a lot of faith to pray. And that God will answer your prayers regardless of how much faith you have. Because he's a faithful God even if we're faithless. That's why we should pray no matter how we feel. But with the, with the answer to prayer of Peter getting broken out of prison, what happens? He shows up and he knocks on the door. He comes to the very place they've been praying. And who goes to the door but the servant girl. Her name is Rhoda she recognizes Peter's voice right away, but doesn't open the door. And she runs back and says, you won't believe it. Peter's here. Peter's here. Peter's here. And what does the early church, what are the apostles say? What are the mighty men of God say? That's not Peter. God wouldn't answer. Now they don't say this. I'm paraphrasing what they might be thinking. God wouldn't answer our prayers so fast, so quick. You're crazy. But Peter was there. And so we look at that and we go, come on, man, open the door. Why are you guys leaving him out there? You've been praying forever. He's now there. God broke him out. He's right there at the door. And then something interesting happens. They say something. Listen, when she recognized Peter's voice, Rhoda, because of her gladness, she didn't open the gate, but ran in, announced that Peter stood before the gate, and they said to her, you're beside yourself, mighty men of God they are. Yet she kept insisting that it was so. And then they said, it is his angel. Like that's an interesting phrase, it's his angel? Where does that come from? But perhaps the theology of the early church and the scriptures of a guardian angel and who broke Peter out of prison, an angel. So I believe yes, that if we were to pull back the veil that separates the visible world from the invisible, the natural world from the supernatural world. We would see at this very moment angels all around us. And as the author of the Hebrews reminds us that Jesus becomes so much better than the angels because he always has been and he always will be. And we'll get into that next time. But this becoming so much more than angels really refers to the incarnation of the Son of God. And we'll get into that a little deeper. But for us today... God is doing so much in the spiritual realm. You just need to ask to see it. You need to acknowledge the spiritual realm. I know that great difficulties upon you right now, great concern, maybe even great worry in this. It's the unseen world, isn't it? All the anxiety in this room, all the worry in this room, all the fears, all the condemnation, all the guilt and the shame that's in this room, it's all invisible because it's a spiritual thing. In some cases, the the spirit is overwhelmed by our feelings and our emotions. But the spiritual realm is much greater than all those things because God is in with us, and he's faithful. And through the blood of Jesus Christ, he's dealt a death blow to the sin in your life and extended to you forgiveness, which removes the guilt, which removes the shame, which removes that, that sense of hopelessness that removes that that caving in under the pressure of circumstances, but rather standing firm in faith. And we just get caught up in the physical too much, church. We all do. Overwhelmed by what you wake up to and what you're thinking and the immediate thought. And like Elisha's servant, man, we just need to be praying for one another. Lord, open their eyes that they might see what's happening Open their eyes that they might get a glimpse of your will. Open their eyes that they might be reminded of your faithfulness. What a great prayer to add into your life and mine as we pray for one another to grow in God's grace and God's goodness. And the answer to the issue in your life today that you walked in here with, that you tune in on the radio or your podcast, and you got the earbuds in your ear, the answer to the problem and the issue in your life is not a physical answer. It's a spiritual answer. It's trusting God, just like the moment you were saved, but walking in faith daily, moment by moment, trusting him, submitting the circumstances to him, and living your life in such a way where now you're just gonna be blown away. Maybe you're surrounded by armies right now, and that's all you can see, and that's all you can feel, but then you think, man, open his eyes, and you begin to see in the spiritual realm, they that are with us are far greater than those that are against us, amen? So Father, we thank you for the <clears throat> privilege of just being reminded of the, the cool, unbelievable things in the spiritual realm, and uh, there's so much more in the Bible that has to say about angels, but for us today, thank you, thank you, thank you for your faithfulness. Meet the needs of your people today, Lord, minister to their hearts, deliver them from the present <clears throat> circumstances that are overwhelming their souls, because it's true, we get so overwhelmed, Lord. Lord things outside of our control, they weigh us down. What what would we do if we're surrounded by an army? Like, what could we do? But trust you. And just thinking, God, that um, Jesus, you taught us that nobody could snatch us out of the Father's hands. And we feel that that grip loosening. I just sense that your grip never loosens on us. We might be loosening, you know, falling, but you grab us, Lord. So may you meet the needs on the hearts of your people today, God. May you pour out your spirit in a wonderful way. Be exalted in our lives. And give us some insights, some stories, some things that maybe are happening in the spiritual realm that we don't know, we don't see. And as we're reading the Bible, we're not just reading for information, but we're reading for spiritual transformation. That when it says an angel broke a guy out of jail, that's what happened. And how you might want to use angels in our lives. I don't know. But It would be awesome to see what you see, God. It would be awesome. Give us spiritual eyes. Like a radio, Lord, give us spiritual ears to tune in to all that's going on in the unseen world. And then give us wisdom on how to respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora.